0: Georgie.
1: The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. Come with me if you want to live.
0: Nowhere, the section of the road to Nowhere podcast in which we invite a guest on to discuss one of their favorite directors and three films from that director tonight i'm delighted to be joined by writer director actor and uh, the 2020 death of the vlogger we've got the date right there yeah it was 19 or 20 like i think uh, 19 was there. the festival premiere 20 Aye. was the, the distribution premiere the distribution um and it's as you can hear him there it's graham hughes hi graham how are you doing Hi, how's it going? Not bad, I think we were both talking just there about having the sniffles, so I apologise if that kind of gets picked up regularly, I think we both got it, <laughs> so just sitting with a ton of hankies round about me that are for my nose, nothing else. Um, just getting the, the drips in people's ears. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, just for a kind of a brief intro to yourself, for people that don't know who you are, and for people who haven't seen Death of a Vlogger as well, if you want to just give us a wee background to yourself in the movie.
1: Uh, Yeah, just as you said, uh, writer director by choice, uh, actor producer and all the rest (sighs) out of necessity. Mm. Um, Yeah, just got a background in no budget features and um, just
0: slowly trying to work my way up to getting paid. Mm. (laughs) And you've got the um, this is death of vloggers done really well the festival circuit and then it was on prime. I think when we spoke to you, oh god. One of the lockdowns, whatever one that was, um, <laughs> it was it had it had a Canadian distribution. Was that right? Yeah, we got uh, North American distribution, North
1: American. so um, America and Canada, and mm-hmm. uh, a few other territories now: France, Spain. Uh, I think there might be a
0: couple others, but yes, yeah, slowly getting out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's excellent. It's really worth checking out. Um, for anyone that hasn't seen it. I've watched it a good few times. Uh It's always good as well seeing, I mean, the Flash trailer was out recently, so there was a bit of Glasgow in that. I've <laughs> seen a film that's yeah. based in Glasgow. It's always really cool to see. Was part Partick it was filmed in? Uh, Mary Hill. Mary, Mary yeah. Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in this flat that I'm still yeah. in. <laughs> good stuff. Um It was actually on our podcast, what day are we on? This is Wednesday, so it's the day recording was Saturday, it was recorded and it was talking about film footage and I was speaking about Death of a Vlogger and a lot of UK ones as well, a Host and Wreck, things like Wreck as well, yeah. which is obviously just the, the staple that one. Um, and with you, you've just finished uh, production on your latest one, haven't you?
1: Yeah, yeah, so uh, we're in post now, um, another uh, mockumentary, this time sci-fi horror. Um, called Hostile Dimensions, and uh, yeah, it's just going to sound this week. Um, finishing up visual effects, and um, yeah, we should have it finished pretty soon, and hoping to get it out to festivals in the summer. I think. Um, so I, it's always a bit um, you never know how these things are going to go. This is like, I, I've just been slowly stepping up over the years, so uh, this time we've we've got a sales agent already, which is good. So. Hopefully the festival circuit will be a bit uh more successful <laughs> because of that. And then uh in theory um distribution should be a bit easier as well. So um yeah,
0: should be should be getting in your eyeballs this year or or starting next. Good stuff, look forward to it. And um obviously not want to give away too much is there. What were kind of influences for going down the, the most more of a sci fi horror route this time with um, it? Well,
1: the thing is, I, I didn't even like really realize it was. <laughs> it sounds so stupid. I didn't really realize realize it was sci fi until it got to the point where I was talking with the sales agents. The things like we've wrapped it and there's a, a cut and we're looking at it and they're talking about basically the marketing of it and how to position mm-hmm. it. And uh the word sci fi kept on coming up. And I was like. I suppose it is, <laughs> 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 like it just uh, it, it's not like hard sci-fi. It's almost more like fantasy, right? Okay, but it's just uh, genre so kind of flexible, you know. And like to describe it as like fantasy horror doesn't make sense, even though it is more fantasy and sci-fi. This is all one right, but... winded way of saying it's like uh, <laughs> by accident. Sorry, of, yeah, <laughs> yeah. By um, it's basically it's um two two documentary filmmakers are uh, looking for their next film, and um, they stumble across this this video of a a this young graffiti artist that um seemingly goes missing through this freestanding door. Okay, so they uh, seek out the door and like try and find out the truth behind what's happened to this person, whether they uh, did actually go missing some other dimension or if it's like a hoax or that and uh, yeah, you just go down this
0: terrifying web of sci-fi madness. Mm. Sounds interesting I'll definitely be checking out hopefully if you're saying with your distribution I think we'd spoke again, spoke about that in the article a few years ago Um, the distribution side was quite, is quite difficult in general I think for like kind of lower budget indie indie movies. Yeah
1: yeah, I had a really tough time of it and uh, I'll maybe tell you more over pints, but <laughs> mm-hmm. for for the, the sake of this conversation. Yeah. Was, yeah. I had a bad time and um there's there's something I keep like see I've got a few other filmmaker friends that are about the same level as me and we're all just trying to find our way in the business and um mm. what it's like is everyone everyone's trying to play this game but nobody knows the rules. Right, okay. Uh-huh. And uh the only way you can find out the rules is kinda approaching people and talking to them, but even then that can just you can feel like you're just being a pest. And, right. and also you know then you're exposing yourself as uh really green as well so just all these kind of things going on about like not knowing how like what's good and what's bad so when a sales agent or a distributor comes at you with an offer um you don't know kind of what you can ask for and what's like so i just all that to say that like um yeah i i was inexperienced in a, a and uh lacked contacts and
0: yeah it's just you're in the worst possible position trying to uh, try and get your film seen by people. Yeah. almost sounds like it's when you're fresh out of uni or college, applying for jobs that maybe your degree sits in, and all the jobs need experience. But how are you meant to get that experience without getting the job sort of thing? It's almost like a, a vicious circle. It always keeps, kind of comes back on itself type of thing. It's exactly like that. It's, like,
1: it's a good analogy. Um, and the only reason that I've got uh, sales agents on my new film um, and I'm having a, a really good experience with, with them. Like it's night and day. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only reason that is, is, is just because um, a fairly well experienced uh, film programmer um, saw saw death of a vlogger and kind of like a pile of screeners, enjoyed it, and then reached out. So it is purely luck, you know? It's just yeah. uh, who happens to see
0: it. Um, and yeah, that started a really
1: great relationship.
0: Yeah, good. Yeah, good stuff. As I said, Death of a Vlogger was excellent, and the more people see it, the better. And uh, I look forward to the new one when it it does hit the screens. Um, So, what I like to kind of start off with is just like a. Some people find the questions difficult, but it's it's just really not an ice maker as such, just something different to talk about. Um, The first part is what is your kind of earliest cinema or movie memory? Now, it could be. In the cinema, like actually sitting watching a watching something in the cinema, or just something that you remember from at home when you were younger. So, uh,
1: yeah, he sent this question through, and I was thinking about it, and uh, it's weird. I was talking about this last week as well. That um, everyone around the table just going through their first cinema trip, and mine was Jurassic Park. Everyone was kind of like showing their age. <laughs> it was like one guy was like, "Ah, oh, yeah, the first Star Wars," <laughs> and the other guy was like, "Oh, mine was Revenge of the Sith." <laughs> so, so, oh, fuck's sake. Um, but yeah mine was Jurassic Park and uh, it's kind of I don't know how I think I just like was maybe so young I hadn't yet developed it yet but I was such a fucking scaredy cat when, when I was mm-hmm. a kid I could not watch anything with even a whiff of like scariness to it and uh, I remember specifically I must have been about four or five and I remember like uh, I probably needed to go to the loo or something um, and uh we ended up coming in during the first scene.
0: right? Uh, yeah.
1: So I don't know if you, how well you remember the film, but like it's the, they're like unloading the Raptors. Yeah. And it's night and like one of the workmen gets like caught and like eaten alive. <laughs> and uh, I think I'm just like so glad I remember sort of my first time in a cinema and just looking up and it like almost couldn't make sense of these images. Cause you yeah. know, like what the fuck is a giant screen. And uh, by the time we have got into my seat in that, the scene was over and it's just as well because uh i probably would have been traumatized and like wanted to leave <laughs> leave the cinema straight, straight away. away um yeah. but yeah that was that was my first
0: jurassic park so it was like starting off pretty pretty high mm, yeah that's a that's a good one i remember not being allowed to see uh, jurassic park at the cinema so it was it 92 93 jurassic park yeah i think so i can't remember which as so Like it was four or five i can't remember exactly Aye. Yeah, so similar to myself then, but my mum and dad just wouldn't take me. <laughs> I was gutted. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I think they thought it would be too uh, too scary as well, kind of yeah, yeah. similar. Um, but I remember just being obsessed. I was obsessed with dinosaurs. I had the sticker yeah, book, had the, yeah. the collections and all that. And and it's still... I re-watched, I oh. actually got the 4K of it last year, and it still looks fantastic. It's oh, still incredible nice. how well they've they done it. Um, Are kids. Do kids still love dinosaurs? Is this a thing? Or was it like our generation? Um... I mean, my my daughter's watching things like Dino Rescue, and she's got a dinosaur book. Yeah. Um. So there is that interest. I don't know if it's the same as like. Sorry, it used to be a magazine, wasn't it? That would come <laughs> out, and I can't remember if it was weekly or monthly, and you get a different card in it. Yeah. Um, is this the one where you assemble it? It's like a wee,
1: a wee bit of cardboard, and it would be like a rib, and then a. Foot. No.
0: <laughs> um. I've had. I've seen them. I had. Don't think I got this, those. But it was like um like uh, collector's cards and they came and I like the last one you got a big folder or well, the first one you got the big folder ah, yeah, yeah and then you put all the cards slide them in as you as and when you got them um and that was kind of an obsession man. i think i got it all filled out i can't remember uh, um but yeah like i think my i think obviously this my earliest kind of memory was my earliest cinema memories actually probably batman forever Oh, okay, which uh, yeah. Yeah, Wait, I mean, forever that's uh, Val Kilmer, eh, Val Kilmer, yeah, yeah, the third one, yeah. So, I don't know why that's the first one that sticks out to me. I think because I was sitting in the front row and my neck was crane trying to watch it. <laughs> um, and then kind of earliest movie thing for me is probably Terminator 2, watching it in the loft in my grand and granddad's house because it had yeah. been taped off of BBC Two for the 20th or 30th time that it'd been on. That huh. was uh. Classic enough. that's kind of, uh, what's the word? Um, Coloured my movie fanship. I don't even think that's a word. I'm sweating. I'm really warm. <laughs> I'm <sorry>. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that was a well. absolute staple
1: for me growing up as well. It was one of the few that we had, like my granddad was kind of the, the one that really got me into, maybe not cinema, but definitely films, like to, mm-hmm. to have a wanky distinction. Um, like mm. his favorite, his favorite films were um, anything with it was either like action or a, a kind of CD uh, like cop thriller. That was right, just okay. like his bread and butter. So um, he would record all this stuff off the TV, and I by, by proxy, I loved all that stuff still. Do um, yeah. but like yeah, growing up, it was anything with like Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis, Van Damme, Steven Seagal. Right or uh, Stallone. Those were like, yeah.
0: if they were in it, we had it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Hard Target, I think, was the first Van Damme I watched. Was that Van Damme? It was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. Um, and my gran was obsessed with Steven Seagal. That was her guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, she loved him. Um, so uh, yeah, kind of similar, very similar kind of movie choices and upbringings, it sounds like. Yeah. Um What is your kind of all-time go-to movie scene, whether it's if you're... Using it for inspiration for directing or writing, or it's just something that you go back to and re watch constantly. Like I used to always do it with, um, this probably isn't my favorite, but I would always, if I was coming in for the pub, I'd come in and watch the opening of the Dark Knight Rises because it was just really cool to watch. What's, uh,
1: what's the opening of that again?
0: It's the airplane over oh, in yeah, yeah, I think, um, <laughs> or the, the Highlands somewhere, anyway. Um, Am I mind seeing the I've seen that scene.
1: In front of it was in front of an IMAX film. Uh yeah.
0: Do you remember what one it was? Oh, so that would have been so I saw it in IMAX uh twenty twelve it came out. Was it 2011 oh, I couldn't even <laughs> think Over my head. Because they showed the full scene, didn't they? Yeah, they showed yeah. it was like I it was ahead
1: of some kind of yeah, some IMAX film and uh, I mind mean now that you can see like the comparisons that um like the the sound mix on Bane, like in the sin, like the first, the one when they released the IMAX one, like just that kind of trailer, it mm. was like completely unintelligible. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and then he like
0: quote unquote fixed it for, <laughs> yeah, fixed it for release. Yeah, mind it. Um, uh, I think I saw that four times in the cinema, three three in IMAX, one is normal. Hmm. Uh, That's it, no, not everyone's favorite, but I love it.
1: <laughs> it's fair. Right. Um, I think off the top of my head, I go back to the opening of Magnolia a lot, right? right. Um, mm. and when I say opening, like the film's three hours long, so I mean like the first fifteen minutes. Um, okay. I just love it. It's just so, um, it's just got so much energy. Like, um, so I don't. Do you remember it that well? Have you
0: seen it or? <sighs> I have never seen Magnolia. Yeah, I, I, um, which I've, I think you're maybe the third, or fourth person that's actually mentioned it for different reasons. On this, when I've been doing this podcast, oh, really, and I, <laughs> yeah, like um, had Tim, Colm, Tim Coleman Tim from oh, yeah. Moving Pictures, and he, I think it's his favourite movie of all time, oh, nice. and yeah, so it's always been one that seems to have cropped up on this uh, randomly, but I've never, never seen it, and I don't know why. Well, um. It's the sort of
1: film I don't I don't recommend lightly because um, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people hate it and I I completely understand why they hate it. <laughs> okay. So it's so. like I would never I don't really yeah I don't I don't tell people to watch it but I, I love it I absolutely love it and um, mm-hmm. the opening basically it's uh, three kind of little short films um, that just kind of set up the theme tone and style of the film. Um, and then okay. after that, there's like this maybe 10 minute sequence. So it's like a multi character thing or multi point of right. view thing. And there's like this 10 minute uh, kind of like ad montage uh, that sets up all the characters. And it's just so mm. like um, rapid fire and uh, imaginative. And like each person is shot in a way that reflects their character's energy and. Um, It's just kind of like maximalist filmmaking in a way that, like, just feels really good. And um, yeah, anytime I watch it, just kind of like hypes me up and makes me feel bad about own art.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Who's the director for that again? Paul Thomas Anderson, yeah. Right now, what what Anderson is he? Because there's Paul W S Anderson who is like Resident Evil and all that, isn't there? (laughs) Yeah. And then there's Wes Anderson, who's the weird comedy. And Paul Thomas Anderson is that like Boogie Nights and yeah yeah um, so I Boogie Nights this pizza. I pizza. There will be blood. The Master. You're right. Okay. Aye. Punch Trump up. There's, <laughs> there's, too, there's too many Andersons. <laughs> right. um, yeah. So I, I, yeah. Again, I, I've, I've been recommended it, and as you're saying, I think I've had looked up reviews before, and it does seem quite uh, polarizing. Yeah. But yeah. I'm, I'd, happy, I'd happily watch that is a, it a, uh, what's the one that's out there now that seems to be getting similar for its uh, oh it's uh, Damien oh a Babylon Babylon that seems to be getting a similar kind of split reaction and people either absolutely loving it or absolutely hating it and it's a three in three a bit hour movie and yeah. it seems to be again that like you're kind of that maximal, maximalist filmmaking of everything, and everything's Hyper realised and over the top as well, in it, it seems to be. Yeah. Um, I'm also, I don't know if it's controversially or not, I'm not a massive Damien Chiselle fan. Um, I, th- I thought La La Land was okay, and then I really dislike Whiplash. Oh, um,
1: yeah, I-, I thought I was going to be agreeing with you there because uh, <laughs> I think Whiplash is a masterpiece. Right. And I didn't like La La Land or First Man. I thought they were First really man. disappointing.
0: The Whiplash thing, I just, I don't know if it was just the hype. Because it was hyped up a lot, and I had—I had, I think it was rented when I saw it, I hadn't, so I didn't go and see it in the cinema. Um, but uh, and again, I know I'm probably in the, the minority with that. I just couldn't; it just wasn't for me. Um, even though, do you know what? As it it's Miles Taylor, I really can't <laughs> stick Miles Taylor. <Teller. laughs> yeah. Anything? Yeah, I guess if <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: if you just don't like the protagonist he's like in every shot <laughs> yeah pretty much those long drawn-out shirts and miles taylor and i'm just getting more and more pissed off um but like jk simmons is still great and i mean he's great and everything um so uh, so we'll come on to your choice of director now um one who i knew of his movies but didn't know it was him that made them so it's brad burd uh Seems to be when you said the name to me, I immediately just thought Disney. But I don't know how common or uncommon I, I thought that is. Um, what is your sort of relationship with Brad Bird's movies in general, uh, aside from maybe the three that we're, we're going to discuss today?
1: I, I think it was kind of similar to you that uh, I I had seen all <laughs> all of his films up to The Incredibles, and then or know, was it? Uh, I can't remember which one came out first, Incredibles or Ratatouille. But it was um basically when the third film has kind of came out and I loved it. Uh, yeah. it was at that point I was like kind of looking him up and it's like shit. Like he's he's like absolutely on fire <laughs> right now. He's yeah. getting this a yeah. uh, three film streak of just uh just total bangers and um mm. then that was when I started paying attention and um when I heard he was doing the next Mission Impossible, I got so excited. I was just like, this is gonna be amazing and um yeah yeah just uh. Aye, because I think um with the Pixar films they, they feel very uh committee made. There's not mm. like a whole lot of voice behind them, especially at that at that time. So, yeah. you know, it wasn't like oh a new Andrew
0: Stanton film's coming out, it would just be a new Pixar film's coming out. Um Exactly, yeah. It was it was the, the brand instead of the actual filmmakers or even actors and actresses sometimes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um similar to the MCU are a wee bit in the minute. Yeah, yeah,
1: totally. Um, but uh, yeah, for better, like you know, w- whether that was his doing or not, the two he mm-hmm. made were still two of my favorite Pixar films,
0: and Iron Giant is amazing, and mm-hmm. uh,
1: Love Ghost Protocol as well.
0: Yeah, um, the last one he'd done actually five years ago, uh, Incredibles 2. Yeah,
1: <laughs> um, not so much a fan of his last two films, but uh, I I, I I live in
0: hope um, for the next one. <laughs> I I can't say I've seen Tomorrowland. Um, um I don't think I'm missing out. <laughs> but,
1: yeah, it's it's like a good Sunday film. Like if you go in just looking for a a fun re adventure. Um, yeah. Especially like if you've got kids, like it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know what age she's really pitched that, but um, yeah, it, it's like a good kind of Sunday afternoon adventure flick. But it's like. If you start, if you like come at it with like the uh, with the scrutiny that his other films deserve, um, it, it doesn't hold up.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> well. Um, yeah, like, was it the, the phrase, a hangover movie? Ah, yeah, it, <laughs> it definitely is a hangover film. It's a good one. <laughs> um, so we'll come on then, we'll just go by release date for the three you've picked. And the first one is The Iron Giant, uh, Warner Brothers, 1999.
1: Ago, SATCOM radar detected an unidentified object entering Earth's atmosphere. Invaders from Mars. Some assumed it was a large meteor or a downed satellite. This is no meteor, gentlemen.
0: (gasps) This is something much more dangerous.
1: So. I guess you're not gonna hurt me, huh? This is unbelievable. This is the greatest discovery since television or something. Hey, big metal guy! I got food here for you. My own giant robot. I am now the luckiest kid in America! Bunzai! There's there, Scout Kent Mansley. I work for the government. Now, why would you tell your mom about a giant robot? Mom! Ah! Little privacy? Sorry. What are you talking about? Where's the giant? For some reason, the army is in our front yard, Mr. Mansley.
0: We must stop it at all costs. Go to Code Red! Repeat, Code Red! We've got to help him. Hogarth, no! we got to hide. Hey, stop! There's a kid in his
1: hand! You can't protect him, Hogarth. Run! Warner Brothers Family Entertainment presents Hogarth: The story of a young boy Look out for the (laughs) boss! and a giant from another world You, You can fly? who became a hero on this one. You can fly! The Iron Giant. Set in 50s America uh, on a a sleepy little town Um, and the the Red Menace is um, all abuzz in the town and a a giant robot from outer space lands in the woods and a little boy, Hogarth, uh, befriends it and has
0: adventures and teaches the Iron Giant all about life and love and death. Um, so this was a first time watch for me. Actually, uh, I'd never seen it before. So, um, again, I don't know wh- how I would have missed this. Like, it's again, I, I I thought it was Disney as well. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just. But then, when you see the animation, especially near the start, it's very Warner Brothers or that era of the kind of Batman animated series yeah. style. Yeah. the the tv show that's on in the in the background at the start <laughs> yeah <laughs> like an in invasion of the brains about like a, the brain thing that's at the start yeah. but and i absolutely loved it it was fantastic oh, um, nice. good it's a great story um and the cast as well looking at it like the the moms played by Jennifer aniston um yeah yeah Vin Diesel as the Iron Giant <laughs> yeah. being, it's, pr- it's probably the most emotive he's ever been. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, and okay. it's... Setting up his, <laughs> uh, his iconic role of character that has five words of dialogue. <laughs> he's the man you want to go to. That's probably how he got the job through James Gunn. Yeah. <laughs> watch the, James Gunn watched the Iron Giant. Um, and then, yeah, like Chris, uh, she's faced Christopher McDonald and, the dad for Frasier as well. I can't remember yeah, his name. Yeah. yeah, is
1: it is it Christopher McDonald that plays the, um, the, the... The bad guy? Yeah, because uh, <laughs> I didn't recognise the name. I don't know if I've seen him in anything else, but um, that, his performance is amazing. Like, uh, just, he brings, like, the animation's doing a lot of work, obviously, but he brings so much to that character that, like, he's almost sympathetic
0: in a lot of ways, even though he's, like, so uh, loathsome. Yeah, definitely. He's, um... He's shooting McGavin and Happy Gilmore. Ah, right, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. He's been in Thelma and Louise. I think he played one of the the dads and uh, the husbands in Thelma and Louise. Right, yeah. Most recently in The Watcher, which was was what it was. <laughs> um, he's one of these guys that I think I think he turned up in a lot in the. The late eighties, early nineties, yeah. Sort of movies like I could ima- I don't think it was in a Ghostbusters movie, but you can imagine his face being in a Ghostbusters <laughs> yeah. movie. He's one of those type of guys playing that um, character. Yeah, exactly. The exact same guy. Um, yeah, it's proper menacing, and this is horrible hor- Like you don't get kids c- cartoons with characters like that in it anymore. I don't think. Yeah, it's all very the real enemy is your feelings type of thing. Is yeah. the way Pixar are going. And like he smokes a smokes a pipe, and there's yeah. people in this that smoke and drink coffee and drink beer and whiskey, and so it's just much, such a. There's so much of that stuff in
1: this film, like even to the just the the dialogue where there'll be there's a scene in which they discuss the nature of a soul. <laughs> Do you mm, know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's so like kind of adult. It, it's no wonder that this film was a flop. It was a flop, yeah. Yeah, it, it did yeah. It completely. Was it like critically or just I think um, no? Inertia? Critically, it was really well received, but no one turned <laughs> mm. out for it. Um, but like, I think I, I don't. That makes sense to me. Like, because even uh, having to rewatch it for this podcast, um, I was a bit like, oh, I do love the Iron Giant, but I'm not really in the mood. And it, it's one of those <laughs> mm. films that um, as soon as it's on, like uh, I, I had my uh, my spouse as well. Um, she was going out tonight and right. i was like right i need to watch it tonight because i've ran out of time so we need to put it on and uh she's like that's fine because she's like it wasn't really like ready again she loves it as well but was just not in the mood to re-watch it and yeah. uh, i got home from work sat down to dinner and i put it on just to make sure i watched it in time and uh Aye. like it was 15 minutes eating dinner and she was like ah, oh,
0: i, I want to watch the rest now <laughs> <laughs> yeah Aye. it's definitely it's it was something that I I said it, it was first time watched but I'd heard about it. Yeah. Um and I think I'd heard because it's I, yeah, as you're saying, the themes in it are very adult. It's especially the way that it's this young boy that's explaining everything. And he's he's a young boy coming from a single parent household yeah. who is having to be very uh very independent, but also as you're saying, with the uh the kind of worrying threat of cold war behind him in this sleepy town. Yeah think like it's in Maine somewhere. I can't remember the right, exact. Yeah, I was trying to remember. Aye. Um, and yeah, the, the themes of it is like it's the Iron Giants, maybe a conduit for the kids that would go and see it with their parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's yeah, it's just a beautiful story. And we could go full spoilers and everything in this as well. Um, And just, I was quite happy that it was a happy-ish ending. Like, yeah. there was that extra scene at the end, because there was, I mean, I don't know what the uh, animators have against deer, but I'm having to learn how things die <laughs> by a deer getting shot, yeah. <laughs> just like, and then you bring back flashbacks of Bambi, um, but yeah, it's, it was good that it was uh, a, 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 a positive note to end on anyway, yeah. at least it yeah, wasn't like just the, throws himself into a nuke and that's it. A... <laughs> the, the wanky artist
1: in me is watching it, shaking my head going, you fucking cowards.
0: And the,
1: the uh, film gore in me is watching it going, oh, thank God, he's still alive. <laughs> yeah. the,
0: kind of, the, the ever hopeful film when before you've paid your money and you're on your way in and you don't know if it's going to be good or bad. Yeah. <laughs> that was still with you. Do you know what you're saying there about the kind of, right, the filmmaker and the, the cinema viewer, and we spoke briefly a wee bit about Dark Knight Rises earlier on. That is my biggest gripe with The Dark Knight Rises as well. Similar ending flies (laughs) off with a nuke um, and then somehow gets away, and that's uh, spoilers for Dark Knight Rises (laughs) 11 years old. Um, And yeah, so and whereas in The Dark Knight Rises, I didn't like it. I thought either Bruce should have not made it or Alfred nods his head and then the movie ends. Yeah, yeah, but this was spot on, because I think as well, because it was such an innocent character of the Iron Giant. Yeah. To, to end it so harshly, having, it's learned lessons, it's learned not to be violent, it's learned about caring for something, obviously by Hogarth. Um, yeah. yeah. Been, Plus it's, you it,
1: know, it uh, would have been too much. Uh, Christ. Uh, symbology
0: as well. Got <laughs>
1: to <Yeah. laughs> get that in there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you've got to, yeah. Quite I didn't even think of that. No, I, do. <laughs> I only just thought of it then. I'm, I'm
1: being glad, but it's not. I don't know. Like yeah, ca- characters can be can come back from the dead without it being
0: Christ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just a. a Wonderful once ailey I think so I'm a wee bit older. I think she would definitely she'll watch it, I think, at the minute anyway. Yeah. She's just started listening to Blink 182 today so oh, yeah, today. So Iron giant good age. good age for it. <laughs> four, four and a half. <laughs> Blink one eight two. It um, came on randomly after a greatest showman song and she was like, I like this. Um I mean, just uh uh
1: content warning on my part. I was like I've seen it before, obviously in uh, uh, I had a wee cry tonight, just uh, the Superman uh, bit and that, just like, yeah, oh, just it goes gets straight to my heartstrings. Yeah,
0: and it's what's good about it as well is it doesn't really delve too much into where the giants came from. Yeah, um, yeah, it's more just what's it's a movie about the the relationship, really, and because you could have had a movie where it goes into too much detail and he's trying to like yeah. ET, he's trying to get home, or he's. Like there's not really the explanation, I think, is he gets a bump on his head, and so, so he doesn't really know who he is, yeah. yeah. Um, and doesn't he isn't aware of his weaponry and things like that, and even that's not very much explained. It's just the bump goes away from his head, and then he can become this super powered killing machine yeah. almost. It all makes um, perfect sense, though. So it's really like, yeah, it's everything seeded, even like.
1: Um the the ending, you know, is not tacked on because they have seeded that like way earlier in the film. So it's not like Ooh. it's not like they screened it in front of audiences and all the kids come out greeting their eyes out. <laughs> like, who's I- dead? And they're like, Oh, we better like add on this bit in the
0: <laughs> I, It's um do you know what it took me so Long to realise as well what was happening up until I seen his face in the snow. <laughs> I did not have a clue what was going on. <laughs> and then as soon as it happened, I oh, of course that was that happened earlier. How did I not know that? Um It just didn't. It did not click. Even when it, like when he gets to be a wee bolt or something from him. Yeah. But aye. yeah. Um, I'll definitely watch it again. And as I said, I'm, it's just ridiculous. It's taken me so long to get to it.
1: Yeah, there's, there's just something about the look of it and like mm. I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of these kinds of films either, the kind of like uh, boy and his dog type films yeah. um, it's, it's, I don't know what it is there's just something about it that really puts me off turning it on every time yeah. and even knowing how much I like it it's still a struggle so yeah, it's weird, mm.
0: there must be some uh I'm want to get like a psychologist take on that one. <laughs> <laughs> no point asking me. I get what you mean, though. The kind of the boy and the dog thing that like, you've seen it with, E.T., uh, Short Circuit, yeah, yeah, Gremlins, exactly. everything really. Uh, There's exactly. like, different different takes on it, and it especially throughout the eighties, I think. Um, and but the, this one's just done so well, and I think is it just just over eighty minutes as well? Always a bonus yeah. thing nowadays, especially in in cinema when your your cartoons can be your animations, are the curtains. your animation movies can be over two hours, even if they're for kids. Like Sonic, we took the wait to see Sonic and it was two hours and five minutes or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's horrendous. <laughs> Moving on then to probably uh, well, I don't know if you'd say, certainly not breakout for him, but the one that probably propelled him up in terms of filmmaking and it's we again we spoke about Pixar before, it's two thousand and four's The Incredibles. That's fine. I mean I can break through walls, I just can't, That's I can't fine. get this oh. <laughs> no matter how many times you save the world it always
1: manages to get back in jeopardy again i feel like the maid i just cleaned up this mess can we keep it clean for for 10 minutes
0: i'm at the top of my game i'm right up there with the big dogs girls come on leave the saving of the world to the men i don't think so super ladies they're always trying to tell you their secret identity it will strengthen the relationship or something like that <laughs> Mode. Your sword can
1: stretch as far as you can and still retain its shape. Virtually indestructible and machine washable, darling. That's a new feature. <laughs> Message complete. Stand. Back. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <coughs> Set in a world where uh, superheroes exist as a minority of the population, um, and then through uh, the, the litigious nature, nature of uh, American society, superheroes are outlawed, um, so they all have to have normal lives. And uh, we join in with Mister Incredible, who's now an insurance salesman, who is uh, moonlighting on the side as a uh, as a superhero, and he now has a super family, and they get embroiled in a supervillain schemes. This
0: is a classic. I absolutely love this. That was for for years. It was probably my favourite Pixar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, up until either. Inside Out or Coco, I of the both of them, oh, great, but, um, yeah. and this was the one that I think it was a perfect age, like two thousand and four. I was seventeen, so there had been a massive interest in superhero movies in general for me then. Yeah, and it was before the boom of Marvel and DC fully. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. we'd had had we had it, Batman Begins. Um, I think that was a bit later, maybe. Right. No,
1: no. Oh you might be right. I was about the I about the same time.
0: Yeah, because we had obviously we did the certainly a couple of the Spider Man movies yeah. and X-Men yeah, yeah. and Fantastic Four, but it, it it got the tone of those types of superhero movies so well. Yeah. And it and it's kinda of slight piss taken of it, but yep. also From a place I love uh, them. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And it's it was a I think it's still a perfect movie. Like it's not a flaw in it, I don't think.
1: Yeah, I was I was actually kinda of torn. So like my favourite Pixar is Wally. Um, right okay but when i was trying i thought it would be neat for this to take like i thought it'd be kind of stupid to take two of his pixar films um but when it came to picking whether it was going to be ratatouille or incredibles it Mm. was a close call but um i just absolutely just love the incredibles it's it's so good and uh yeah, this is it was the only film that I didn't rewatch for this podcast because I know it so well and I've seen it like 20 times.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's just um it, it's premium Pixar isn't it? Like now they're maybe a bit actually becoming a bit hit or miss, yeah, I think yeah. some of the stuff they're not as as much of a banker anymore. Yeah. But this was when maybe the exception of cars. Uh, <laughs> but everything they were bringing out was a hit and was really well made and it's the animation's great, the family dynamics is one of the highlights of it as well. Yeah, and this one that's it's the Fantastic Four on a different kind of slant almost, yeah. And
1: it's it's so funny. And the, act, yeah. the action is like um,
0: it's better than most live action action films, yeah, yeah, it's it's fantastic. And and the uh, as you're saying, the acting, so we had. Uh, Craig Craig T. Nelson yeah. is the dad, Is uh, God, I'm taking a blank. Uh, Bob. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson obviously turning up in superhero movies before it was cool. Um <laughs> Holy Hunter, yeah. whose voice is just instantly recognisable. Yeah, as um, the mum and wife Helen, and then the bad guy Jason Lee yeah. again, another voice that as soon as you hear it, and it even has kind of character in it. Is it's brilliant? Like it's a really well done. Again, maybe not a trope, but certainly a, something that's been seen before. The kind of scorned either is someone who's been affected negatively by superheroes at a younger age, or by something. It's happened in them the, in their life, and then becomes the the super villain almost. Yeah. And he's uh, he's fantastic in it. What's the what's his um? It's not. Ve- is it Vector? Oh uh, no, that's that's Despicable Me. <laughs> oh, I can't I've remember. T- I can't
1: even remember but, his um, name. Though,
0: his bad guy name.
1: <laughs> his uh, his like I think it's so important for a film like this to have a compelling villain, and uh, his motivations and his plan are. So um, well thought out and believable, and they just make sense. Like there's this kind of trend we're seeing in a lot of MCU films now, where it's like the villain makes a lot of sense, and then they'll uh they'll make them like kill a puppy, so you're like, oh, they're they the bad <laughs> <Yeah>. ones, <laughs> definitely. Um, whereas like um yeah, The Incredibles, uh, what is his name? That's annoying. Um, but he, he's a his plan is based in, like, a to- you can just totally understand exactly where he's coming from, but just the execution of it makes you, like, uh, gives him that villainous edge without it being forced.
0: Aye. Yeah. Um He's called Syndrome. Syndrome, yeah. Syndrome. For some reason, I thought it was Vector, or I don't know why V was in my head, but I know that's the one for Despicable Me. Um, right. <laughs> so... And Jason Lee's just great. And I don't know what's happened to him. He's not been in anything for a long, long time. Yeah. Jason Um I know he was into Scientology. I don't know if he's still <laughs> focusing all his efforts on that for some reason. Um, in fact, he was in... Was he in Clerks 3? I don't think he was in Clerks 3.
1: Oh, man. That's a little bar. Yeah. Uh, I, I loved Clerks
0: 3. <laughs> <laughs> but he was in Clerks 2. I think that was the last thing I've seen him in in terms of... not oh good, Because that's even 12 years old. I just mean it like... Uh... Oh, he wasn't like, even in that. If you can't even
1: get a job in uh, a Kevin Smith film, then uh, <laughs> his best pal, like,
0: then there must be something off. Aye, oh, definitely. Um, I think the standout character in it is, uh, Ed, is Edna. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Edna Mode. Edna Mode. yeah. Yeah, she's fantastic in this. I can't even find who plays her. I'm actually just looking at IMDb and she's it, not in the... Is it not? Uh, wait. I'm going to sound like a complete idiot if I get this wrong. Is it not Brad Bird? <laughs> is it Brad Bird that does that's it? Right, that's good my way you look. Yep, it is yeah. Brad Bird, Edmund <laughs> Didn't oh,
1: know Oh, thank it? God.
0: That could have been me. Really, I'd be asking you to take that out of the, in the edit. <laughs> <laughs> Get that edited, yeah. Ah, oh, there we go. I didn't know that. I think she's just fantastic in it. And it's very, um, again, it's poking fun at the fashion world in a way that it's not necessarily coming for a nastiness. Yeah, yeah. Or a viciousness. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the thing. There's
1: nothing. It's not a vicious film. It's it, like its hearts in all the right places. It'll. It's not afraid to make jokes, but it's not like. Um, it's not trying to make anyone feel bad.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you can be funny. Uh, you can be funny and cutting without being mean. I think is the best way for, and this gets absolutely spot on. Um, we'll touch a wee bit on the Incredibles too, then. So. it is 14 years, I think, and it kind of missed the boat, I think, for a sequel for The Incredibles. I don't know why it took them so long. I don't know if you you know why, especially when they were churning out Cars One, Two, Three, oh, yeah. fuck knows, whatever else. And then when it did come out, it felt like it missed a free hit on maybe satirizing the superhero genre a wee bit more. Yeah. They just almost went to a similar ish a similar kind of villain and story. Not not spot on, not exactly the same. Obviously, yeah. there is differences, but it just felt like a free hit for them and they completely fluffed it.
1: Yeah, I have no idea what went into making it, the decisions that went into making it. Um, but to me, like, I've only seen it once and I don't really... I remember there was a motorbike
0: chase <laughs> mm-hmm. and there was something to do with a yacht. Yeah, that's the finale of it. It's the... They get someone's trying to bring Supers back. Bob Odenkuts character, and he gets Elastigirl to be the main kind of force behind it.
1: Oh, does Um, does Mister Incredible get like jealous or
0: something? Like, is there a? Yeah, he's he's a stay at home dad, right? Because even that they could have done so much more with, and they felt like the the Jack Jack stuff was rubbish. And rings a wee bell. Wait, Jack Jack's still a baby in it. Yeah, Jack Jack's still a baby in it, and. Like they kind they've of the just right found his powers. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, um, I just for my, my memory of it is that it was just completely empty. I, I don't know how to better describe it. It was just an empty film. It had no coherent message. Uh, hmm. The action was kind of bland. I didn't find it funny. No.
0: Yeah, just, it was a real real disappointment. <laughs> right. It's almost like they've be a Saying that it's empty, they've went. All right, we really need to put this Incredibles two out now, or we yeah, just can't do it. It did instead commit... of having done it like f- six years before. Or... Yeah, like
1: the like I said, I don't know anything about how like the conception of it, but um, mm. it feels it feels like they thought it would just be an easy win. Like you were saying, Aye. like and oh well, people love the Incredibles. Pixar is in a downward slump. We'll just chuck this out. People will come out to watch it, and they thought like it it. That's what I get from it. I could be like, I am almost certainly misreading that, but it's what it feels like.
0: Aye. No, no, I, I totally get that. I, I agree with that. It does feel a bit like a kind of an almost desperate act. Um, I think we got Inside Out the year after that, or was it the year before? Well, I can't remember. Yeah. And that's as I said, it's either that or Coco are my two favourites. I just absolutely love them. Yeah. Um, Coco kind of feels like the last, the last kind of great Pixar film to me. Mm. Yeah, I can't even remember what the latest one was. Was it? Was it Turning like, Red? T- yeah, it would have been yet. Yeah, I quite enjoyed like Turning Red actually. Yeah, I thought yeah. Luca was fine. Like Beyond was yeah. fine. Beyond, <sighs> what one was that?
1: That was like the D and D type one.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. The aye, I remember that. Yeah, that was okay. Soul, I really disliked. Okay. But again, I don't know if that was hype. Yeah, I, I, I thought Soul was. A- yeah, again, I thought Soul was fine. Like maybe,
1: yeah,
0: I was <laughs> right, and then there was Toy Story Four, which uh, really, I really—I can't even get on board with that.
1: Yeah, I, I don't understand <laughs> why,
0: because that one was quite well liked,
1: right? Like, yeah, apparently, yeah,
0: it's th- and they're bringing out Toy Story Five as well. Yeah, I saw that. so I don't know what that's going to be because Toy Story Three ended Andy's story. Toy Story 4 kind of ended Woody's story unless they find a way to bring him back but he's kind of ran off in the ether so it's just going to be Tim Allen just being racist for 90 minutes (laughs) and a a Buzz Lightyear toy Tim Tim Allen just being problematic and doing lines off the pig's back (laughs)
1: That sounds actually quite interesting Oh, it
0: probably more (laughs) interesting Maybe sans a racism uh, Well, of course It's just a problematic Buzz Lightyear Yeah, so we'll see how that goes, but yeah, it's it's a shame the big are just and I think they're not very good to work for either, from what I've heard. Yeah, the kind of rumors go dramatic. about. Yeah, when I, yeah, when I, Disney picked,
1: in general, uh, when you're asking, like, who, what director I wanted for this podcast, and I went through a few. When I, when we kind of settled on Brad Bird, I did do a quick Google just to make sure. <laughs> I was like, wait a second, is he, and, uh, I was just you know like you never know who's a fucking baddie these days. There's like so he many got, baddies. Yeah, because
0: uh, there was one Pixar guy, wasn't there? Was it one of the It was guys? Lassiter. It was quite- yeah, Lassiter. Yeah, he
1: was a bad one. And as far as I yeah. could see, well, the only thing that's out is that uh, Brad Bird defended Lassiter. But right, this okay. is only kind of uh, strike
0: against him in the. Public court. <laughs> Aye, that we know of. <laughs> As you say, you need to Google everything nowadays. <laughs> the thing is, someone might come on this and pick Polanski, and then I'm going <laughs> to do that. And I can't really be too too judgmental. Um, so, on your last pick, then, and I rewatched this just the other day, absolutely loved it, and it's the first live action one that you've went with. And is it, uh, I think it was, is it Brad Bird's first live action movie? Yeah, yeah, it's his movie? first live action feature. And it is Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Yeah. An hour ago, a bomb blew up the Kremlin. The president has initiated Ghost Protocol. The entire IMF has been disavowed.
1: Now I've been ordered to take you to Washington where they will hang the Kremlin bombing on you and your team, unless you were to escape after assaulting Brandt and me.
0: But if anyone of your team is caught, they will be branded terrorists out to incite global nuclear war. So what happens now? Your mission, should you choose to accept it. So, what's the play? Who are you, really, Brent? We all have our secrets. Don't we, Ethan?
1: Okay, now, remember, blue is glue. And when it's red, dead. You're not gonna make it! You're not helping. his team of super spies have been framed for an attack on the Kremlin and they have like, I don't know three days to stop a a genocidal maniac with nuclear arms uh, from blowing up the world. Something like that. The plot of this one is like (laughs) (laughs) the the plot of this one is that Tom Cruise goes and uh, uh, goes through a bunch of great
0: set pieces Pretty much, yeah. It is fantastic. Um I was going to write down kind of three set pieces to go off of this, but it's so hard because there's so many great ones. And it for me this is still the best Mission Impossible movie.
1: Yeah, I um,
0: agreed. I fucking love this film. <laughs> it, is, it is, it is, amazing. Like I have, it's been so long since I've watched the first three. To be fair, but I think it's kind of like, and again, I've only ever seen one Fast and Furious movie. But the way people talk about the Fast franchise, that after a certain point, it just gets great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I've as I said, I've seen the first one in the cinema. So, well, they were stealing VCRs or something. I think yeah, was the old plot DVD players? DVD players <laughs> uh and now they're like flying in space and shit. But um it seems like it, it was Mission Impossible two was that the John was that John Moore? That was
1: John Woo. Yeah, so uh, uh either because I'm not a maniac or because I am a maniac, I couldn't just jump in at four. Um <laughs> so <laughs> so the uh the weekend there watched uh, one through five and we'll finish watching six this weekend. Right, uh, okay. Aye. And yeah, it was the first time I'd seen Mission Impossible two since it came out.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's um, it's yeah, but obviously we'll just talk. We'll we'll stick kind of mostly to uh, Ghost Protocol just now, and it was. It seems like it's the one where they have not like a world building as such. Well, maybe it's a bit more world building because at the at the end, they mention the syndicate, don't they? Yeah, just yeah. as Ethan's walking away. Um, but it's the one that I certainly took up and noticed because I hadn't even seen two or three up until I'd, this one came out because yeah. I just wasn't that bothered about them. Yeah. And it's just right from the off. I mean, the opening set piece in the... The both well, the Russian apart from the the kind of intro with Sawyer
1: from Lost. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um but even that's just
1: like it's like it a was... minute long and it's just this cool little short, you know, it's uh, Yeah. A guy's been chased on a rooftop and he jumps off and shoots both the dudes before like he like <laughs> falls off the roof and throws down this fucking like safety bank <laughs> thing and then it, mission accomplished, but oh no, wait, then he gets assassinated. And it's like mm. a minute long. It's like it's just yeah.
0: So, um... and then the, the kind of callback that uh, you get maybe only fifteen minutes later about what was actually happening there because yeah, you yeah. obviously only see him that there's an assassin photograph on his phone, but it's because his eyepiece picks up yeah, her yeah. face that it's so cool. Um, and just the leading into that then into the Russian prison, yeah, where he's trying to desperately to save his friend and uh, Ethan trying to save uh, Bogdan, yeah. I think. <laughs> Um, there was one thing I was going to ask so you've got Jeremy Renner's character and he tells a story about he's he's an, an an analyst um yeah because something went wrong in the field and he blames himself for it and it turns out that he was protecting Ethan Hunt and his wife so does she is she supposed to have like quote unquote died off screen or does that happen in 3 um in 3 is that, no, is that it, uh... it
1: happened, The the thing that Jeremy Renner's referencing happens between three and four, so it happens off screen. Right, okay. Three's um, Philip Seymour Hoffman,
0: is that right? Yeah. Uh
1: and, and like he is unbelievably good in that role. <laughs> I think it's the the only the only criticism I think I have of Ghost Protocol is uh the villain is like completely forgettable. Yes. Yeah, and and he's barely in it. Yeah. I think like, that's like, he doesn't get enough screen time and like, it's not, not, nothing to do with the actor. I can't remember who no. um, the actor's name, but, like... Um,
0: Mikael um, here, ah, right, yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I recognised his face, and I was just having a be look there, apparently. It was in the first John Wick, but mm-hmm. it's from the the Swedish uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo yeah. movies. Uh, a, I recognised him. He's a really good actor. He just has nothing mm. to work with. Um, oh, he's... Uh, yeah. But that, that aside, and, like...
1: Uh, yeah, this, this film's so good. Like, I think... Uh, the I go back. I think I've seen this trailer for this film probably more than any other trailer. Um, mm. It just gets me so hyped. Um, I should have said that instead of the start of Magnolia. <laughs> <laughs> when I need to watch a bit of cinema, I'll watch the Ghost Protocol trailer <laughs> with, uh, with Eminem uh, as
0: the <laughs> the back and track. <laughs> Um, oh well it was, it was, you know, suitable for the, is it suitable for the time when was I 2011? Was Eminem still relevant then? I think it was I when he remember. was sort it was of comeback. yeah I, I don't know if it was
1: exactly a comeback but yeah certainly when he like became more of a critical like <laughs> uh, critical moved,
0: away, to the homophobia and, uh, was moved away from the homophobia and the uh, wife murder and moved into the actual songwriting style when he was maybe teaming up with things like Rihanna and all that would that have been wait did it? Did he murder his wife what <laughs> no no he'd always. I mean on Marshall Mathers e- M- LP he's got the song Kim and it's just all about him, what he does to kill her and then there's loads of sounds in the background of a woman being choked and stabbed and horrible oh my god it's a song written about his wife it right, was just a bit of a nasty little shit when he was younger I think um, but. yeah okay I have to admit I don't know much about him M&M. and him <laughs> I listened to, I think I got that, and then I listened to like, Love the Way You Lie, and I think that's about because 2001 that would have been Marshall Mathers LP, so I'd have been, it would have been very popular in high school, uh, but yeah, I've yeah. never really been that, that bored with him. But yeah, you're, you're spot, and the fact as well that I've not seen the trailer for it, so I might go watch this after because there's <laughs> so much they can fit into a trailer without giving anything away, which is great. Yeah, yeah. Like, as you say, saying, the plot maybe is a bit. But maybe a bit cookie cutter. Turn the Russians or the turn the, the superpowers against each other. But I mean, the we said the set piece in the Russian prison, and then you go straight to the Kremlin, and that scene in the Kremlin with him and Simon Pegg as Benji, yeah. with the um, that that just Oh it's so uh, good. The, the, it's like the not a MacGuffin, but the most convenient plot device item that they've got, where it just mimics what the guy should see or something. It is yeah. brilliant. It's so, it makes really for sure it's just such a it.
1: fun little scene though.
0: Yeah. And like, I like
1: on. that they do try and explain like um it's not just like magic tech where they set up a screen Aye. and it works. Like they show how the camera moves, they show the eye tracking to match the mm. the perspective and stuff. So it's enough where I'm like, sure.
0: <laughs> like they must have been very confident there was only going to be one guy there, though, because the minute someone else turns up, the thing just goes to shit. Yeah,
1: but then that's the thing. Um, I think that's like what's interesting is the film has like a maybe not a thesis, but like a theme at least, which is that um, technology is unreliable and will will fuck up at the like at any any given moment. Yeah, when I mean, you think of like yeah, all the set pieces and the, the technology is always going wrong. As aye, um, the uh, the is it in the Burj Khalifa? And the gloves stop working. Yeah. Oh man. Because it's oh, it's just so good because you're like this scene is tense already. It's fine.
0: Yeah. And then they uh, escalate it, and it's like, oh my god, <laughs> stop. Uh, <laughs> and do oh, you mean just in in terms of the um the kind of trade off they're having with the the nuclear arm, the codes and everything as well? Yeah. This is this is great in it as well. Yeah. Uh, Paula Payton, I liked her in it. We could have seen her a wee bit more. I think yeah. she's really good in the. Kind of near the end scene where she's playing with um, I have Bridge, uh, God. Uh, I have I just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the guy clearly it's getting slapped about a bit. <laughs> um and it's just so you've got that Buzz Khalifa scene and then that goes straight into the scene in the sandstorm where he's chasing yeah. one of the bad guys in the sandstorm. It just goes and uh, goes and goes. <laughs> like what you're talking about with the bad guy again I and mean, he looks like an old guy so how is he able to outrun Tom Cruise yeah, the yeah, like.
1: it, it, especially <laughs> when they're fighting in the car park at the end yeah and he's <laughs> still able to beat the shit out of shit. him when I describe it like that it sounds like <laughs> they're the, out the back of
0: the, the red lion like oh fuck it yeah Oh, there's two guys fighting in the car park. <laughs> I phone the police, we need to split us up again, they did this every Sunday. Um but like, but not, I just like... don't buy it. I'm
1: like, no, this guy could not do what he's doing. This is Ethan Hunt. This is like
0: yeah. it's not exactly. even Ethan Hunt, this is Tom Cruise. Like... <laughs> but the only thing with it is once he gets away from Tom Cruise, he takes his mask off yeah. to re- he's got one of those masks on to reveal it's oh it's me type of thing. But nobody really knew what he looked like. <laughs> So, why is he wearing a mask and why is he also wearing a mask which seems to be of his right hand man or his henchman? It's yeah, the same guy. It doesn't <laughs> like, <laughs> make any sense. Yeah. It kind of went, nobody knows who this guy is. But he wore a mask. and But it was still, again, it's, it's brilliant action. Yeah, because it's,
1: it's like, you know, criticising the, the plot of this film is like criticising <laughs> a drama for having bad action scenes. Exactly. You know, like yeah, it's, the, the plot this here is. So, like, I, I guess a good example of when it's done poorly is. Uh, I'm really not a fan of Rogue Nation, the one that came after this. And uh, that's
0: yeah, that's where they've tried to almost, as I'm saying, like um, serialize it, haven't they? Yeah, Let one following the other, and it has to have a full-on connection. Yeah, um, and as you're saying, plot is where it is where they're trying to tie. It's like um, Spectre.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, totally. and Bond.
0: It's all oh well we have been in the background this whole time, type of thing. And I think it's with Fallout and. Rogue Nation kind of slip up on in terms of, compared to this one. Yeah. I mean, I
1: do, I, I've i got a real soft spot for Fallout. I think that's a brilliant film. and uh, Oh,
0: yeah. I, I think
1: that um it goes back to Ghost Protocol in terms of how it uses the plot, which is it's very convoluted, but it doesn't linger on it too long. It's just yeah. a, it's just an excuse to get from set piece to set piece. and yeah. uh, Whereas Rogue Nation, the last hour of that film, there's a there's like maybe one action set piece and it's not very inventive it's just a a gunfight chase through london like there's not you know there's not a hook and it's not very inventively done so you're yeah. just relying on this all you've got then is this like uh oh they're going to do this and they're going to do that and we need to stop them but without any of the invention or excitement and like a right. uh, fallout then uh i guess you know, similar to ghost protocol it is literally just Plot to get us to the next set piece.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's been a while since. I mean, they're all on Prime just now. I think, aren't they? Yeah. Obviously, in the build up to number seven coming out, seven and eight, I think are like a joint. Which means, which makes me think it will still be syndicate stuff. Can't really remember how Fallout ended, but it definitely feels like it might be syndicate based. Yeah. Um, and whether they make these the the last ones or not, I think they've said they are going, aren't they? And it's Chris McQuarrie's back.
1: Yeah, yeah. as well. I mean, for me, as long like as long as it's kind of like Ghost Protocol, I, I come to these films for uh, the wit of... You want to see Tom Cruise hanging off of stuff? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, on, on rewatching them, I hadn't realised that uh, shit. I can't. I don't think I saw one in Rogue Nation, but the first four films all have a guy hangs just above the ground. Bit so obviously, like the first film was like famous for that. That you know, image of tom cruise hanging in that white room yeah and uh they they did like they did a a repeat of it in mission impossible 2 where he jumps out of a helicopter and does the same thing and then in three he jumps off of a wall and does the same thing and then in four they have jeremy renner doing it in the magnet suit
0: (laughs) yeah
1: Uh, so it's literally like we need to have someone (laughs) uh an inch flat out (laughs) yeah flat out an inch from the ground or else no one's going to turn up for the film
0: Jeremy Renner's really good in it as well. Oh, I agree. Um, he, I think this would have been what she was saying, 2011. So this would be a year before the Avengers, um, yeah. Avengers movie hit, and he'd been in Thor. And oh, he was kinda, yeah, yeah. I was like, mm, in Thor? briefly, I don't yeah. Know. Um, so, but was, this was maybe him starting to get his name, or starting to become the big Hollywood actor. Anyway, yeah. Um, because I think the only thing I'd seen him in before that was Dammer, eh, Dammer. Uh, what was it called again? I wish it was a low budget kind of weird movie about Jeffrey Dahmer, but it was up until he's bleeding up till his first kill. Jeremy Renner plays Jeffrey Dahmer, um, and he's yeah he's really great in this. I think it shows how kind of good an actor he is that, and a good action actor as well that he the scene in the Burjman. It's him and Tom Cruise fighting off the, the henchmen. They're both great in that scene as well. The kind of close quarters yeah. combat. Yeah, he's got... Uh, aye. It it
1: feels in some ways like they're almost trying to set him up as the next Ethan Hunt, like kind of what they did with Bourne.
0: Yeah, um, it does. But I'm definitely. glad they didn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> I wonder if they will, if they've said this is the, these are the last two. I'd be surprised if they just completely... Go like go be a franchise that's made so much. Have they and, said these are the last two? Is that? I'm sure they have. Yeah, I'm sure this is the oh. last two. Maybe it's the last two of Tom Cruise. Um, then it'll be nothing without them. because it's literally they filmed them back to back, and it's one of these ones where we're doing it because it's the end of the story. Ah, right, okay. Um oh, that's a shame. I didn't realise that. Ach, he's getting on a bit now, though, into Tom Cruise. There's only so much yeah. he can. Because I think this one was was there not people. I can't remember if it was in Scotland or down in England, and he was on a train over the other side of like a commercial train, just uh, on its rail next to him, and he was just waving at everybody on the train from his own. <laughs> like <laughs> he's, he can't be doing that much longer, unless they, they could. They could make him the the kind of older Batman to younger agents, I suppose. Yeah, but yeah. then it's all about watching Tom Cruise. I think.
1: Yeah. Yes, well, a report then, from
0: Variety, like Mission Impossible Eight. I think he's such a unique
1: filmmaker. Like I know he's not um a director obviously, but uh yeah. I, th- I think uh the fact that we got um like Top Gun Maverick last year, you can really see his identity um as a filmmaker, like his DNA is in like The Mission Impossible films and Maverick and the way yeah. he approaches filmmaking and uh and like cinema in general, like I just love yeah. how he'll appear in these little spots being like uh you know, like I'll see you at the movies. It's just something really it, it should be Twee, but um or like even just like gross sort of uh family values or something, you know, traditional <laughs> values, but there's something about it, the old fashionedness of it that uh really tugs at my heartstrings and
0: mm. um, yeah, just pretty
1: pretty cool filmmaker.
0: He's probably the last of the Film megastars, I think, in terms of that type of big blockbuster, he's a banker for any movie he's going to be in. But he's also it's it feels like the end of that generation. Maybe like who have you got that could be following that up of his ilk? <sighs> I mean, I kind of see somebody like Charlemagne or anything doing that, or yeah. uh, even like going a wee bit older, Zac Efron or something. Like, they have not got the same,
1: yeah,
0: like maybe- Hollywood feel.
1: Chris Hemsworth to an extent, but it's not. Yeah, it's not the same.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't know. It's not on. A, I think it's not right. to Tom Cruise level. Like, I just think there's something about him as a movie star and like a proper Hollywood movie star. Like, yeah, that it's, it's unlikely I think that we'll see it again. But yeah, I, I mean, you never know. Something might come up. But I think that it's they're also moving away from those type of movies now as well. Yeah, again, yeah, like true. we spoke about. The kids' movie with Iron Giant—you don't see the the villains the same way. Yeah, these action style movies, maybe Bond will keep it going.
1: Maybe yeah. Bonds
0: fell away, um, and it must been Mission Impossible fast franchise. I think they've said 10's the last one of that. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. And as we said, going back to Ghost Protocol for me, yeah, the peak easily of the franchise and. <laughs> I think everyone's on the A game, and even Simon Pegg, who in the Mission Impossible movies I can maybe give or take. Like, I yeah. prefer to watch him in something like Hot Fuzz or the yeah. Edgar Wright movies, but he does his job in, in these ones. Yep. Um, and I mean, we get a wee bit of Ving Rames at the end again, which is yeah. good. <laughs> we taste. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we mentioned briefly as well, even the fight with the older guy in the that weird futuristic car park. <laughs> like, that reminded me of, you know, um, if you're driving on the motorway past the city centre and you've got that big Nissan garage. Yeah, I, I think perfect. about I think it every the time
1: Yeah, Yeah, I'm like, yeah. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's ghost protocol right there.
0: <laughs> uh, it's, like a, it's like a car vending machine. <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's so strange. But that, uh, that scene, uh,
1: like, totally sums up, I think, what makes the film special is that he's brought an animator's eye to live action. Like there's something right. so precise about the way that um, Ghost Protocol is directed. It is mm. it, it, it kind of mirrors the precision of animation, and I'm kind of in awe of that a little bit because mm. um, it feels almost like an impossible film. <laughs> no, a fucking terrible. Yeah, it was not That's... not intended. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it does feel like some of the things they've done they've done with it feels quite uh, yeah impossible to achieve, and it's so like um the timings of everything so like uh it, it actually like it feels like a Pixar film right okay. like, there's something about uh the the visual humor and the pace and the tone of it that is mm. just so like well timed um yeah. just in the way that that uh, car park scene um, is like a good example of how it works and you just see like uh you know they'll reach for the briefcase, but then the lift goes down, and then it. But that's not all, because another one's coming and needs to roll out the way. But as he does, he rolls into the guy standing right there. Like everything is just so beautifully choreographed and specific. Mm. And uh, I just, I just every time I see it, just blows me away. Like mm. he's such a good director. I really hope that his next film kind of um, reaches the peaks of his first four. Aye,
0: yeah, especially as you're saying, yeah, this was. Highlight the, the Mission Impossible franchise, and I'll definitely go back and watch it again. It's, it's one I've not watched for a while. Um, all of these, I mean, just saying, I kind of I skimmed over the Incredibles on a rewatch this time, but it's because I've seen it so often, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, like
0: I said, I didn't even go back to I just I a note off know off my like, <laughs> except for the um, villain's name, obviously, <laughs> yeah, which I didn't know either. Didn't have them in the IMDb, it just had their character name, yeah. it was weird. Um and then Iron Giant, I'll definitely, I think Manili's maybe a wee bit older, I'll put that on for her as well. And I, I would be happily watching that instead of My Little Pony or some <laughs> nonsense. Um, so that's your three picks. I think they were all all great choices. Um, you kind of touched on Ratatouille before, I, and it, it, it's possible that Ratatouille is his only other good movie. Is in, that in my opinion, safe to say? Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. T- Tomorrowland
1: and um, Incredibles 2 are.
0: I'm not. Well, the Incredibles is not bad yeah, as such, but not, it's just disappointing. They're not, aye, there.
1: Yeah. So I think it's. I think it would be unfair to say neither of them are good, mm. uh, but certainly like his first four, including Ratatouille, are like um close to, if not masterpieces. Like some of them, you know, like they're they're just fucking brilliant. And uh, mm. yeah, it was a close call um between Incredibles and Ratatouille for me. But I think because going back to my Action roots with my granddad.
0: Um, Incredibles just edges it because of the action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely. That's always one that uh, my first watch I wasn't keen. Mm. Um, it's a weird like, film. Uh, yeah, uh, but I have rewatched it since, and I was certainly a lot more, a uh, lot more kind to it. Like, but I'm the guy that doesn't I like Finding Nemo. I get criticised <laughs> for that a lot. Never found a love for that movie. Wally was one of my favourites for a long time as well. Yeah, and then. That's another one that like, people seem to be like. How do you like Wally as much? Oh man, it's just about an amazing me robot and the animation's incredible. <laughs> Wally is my like joint,
1: uh, joint like favorite film of all time. Up oh, there was three. Right. I can't decide between that and Twelve Angry
0: Men. Um, right, okay. I I love Wally with all my heart. Is just Wally's like a ballet movie. Sometimes, yeah, like, <laughs> it's just the, the, and again talk about choreography. But I mean, we could go on about Wally for <laughs> for hours. Um, so, just before we before we sign off then, as it says, Ratatouille would obviously recommend for Bradbird as well. Um, you spoke a wee bit earlier about the movie, and just if you've got coming out this year, if you just want to tell us about that again, and just where everyone can find you.
1: Thanks. Postel Dimensions, it's a sci-fi horror mockumentary, and uh, should be on the festival circuit this year, so uh, Touchwood potentially um, get a Fright Fest screening in August mm. would be nice. Yeah. Um beyond that, we'll probably get released in the UK end of this year or start of next. And um hi, sure. it'd be nice if folk checked out. Yeah. Um and then yeah, only socials to get me on is Twitter at Faction Man. Mm-hmm. I don't really use anything else. I'll lurk on Instagram and I only have <laughs> only have Facebook
0: for Messenger. So Same. <laughs> that and five Sides but even that's moved on to WhatsApp now, so um <laughs> Is Death of a Vlogger still on Prime? Yeah, uh,
1: I think it's on Freevee now. So yeah, you can get it right, through okay. Amazon, uh, still on iTunes and Sky Store, as far as I'm aware, mm-hmm. uh, or um, in your you know pirating film site of choice.
0: <laughs> we don't advocate. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's, it's from the director's <laughs> mouth, and also, um, uh, as I said, uh, I, I don't have the best relationship with.
0: Uh, distributors <laughs> <laughs> so pirate away that's <laughs> the green light that's magic um, what I usually do is get someone to pick a bit of music or theme from a movie it doesn't have to be any of the ones we've spoke about the day just to sign out on oh, I'm just trying to uh, narrow it down now, there's too many
1: uh, <laughs> how about uh Natu, Natu from uh, RRR do you want me to send it to right. you?
0: right <laughs> <laughs> I will not to, not to, i'll write that down um and i've still not seen that oh my god um, it is
1: amazing <laughs> <It's> so, <laughs> so good my favorite film of last year yeah uh, maybe my favorite film in this decade time will tell it is nice.
0: insanely brilliant. Yeah, big action movie guy as you are as well. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I did have it's um it's on the list but It's just the three hours. I kind of get the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there
1: is a, it has an intermission, so you can right. you can um split it into two if that makes it easier.
0: Cool. I will do that then. Um, so Graham, again, thanks very much for joining us. It's been great to talk to you again. First time in a, a wee while, certainly physically talking, not just uh, <laughs> okay. on the Twitter. Twitter DMs. The Twitter DMs, yeah. As um, I said, really looking forward to uh, your next one coming out. and um, Again, yeah, thanks very much for joining us. Oh, thanks so
1: much for having me. It's been really nice time just chatting about films and stuff. So
0: I really appreciate you reaching out and asking. Always welcome back on again as well if there's another director you want to talk about. So we'll see you further down the road with that. Um, <laughs> so this is Natu Natu from RRR. Not my brother. Do you know? Not
1: What is Natu? to? Polam got to Dumulona, Portlakitaduki, not to Polera, Majatara, Lopota Rajuki, not to Kirsipole, Sukonica, Samoses, not to Maris, to Nidola, Kura Gumpuko, not to Yerajon, not alone, a Mirabatoko, not to Napata Zudo, na Zudo, Napata Zudo, not to Napata Zudo, not to I've had enough of this
0: nonsense! You two out! No, Jake, I've had enough of your bullying! (laughs) Oh, Oh. no! (laughs)
1: Na patazudu, na patazudu, na patazudu, na 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 Yes, say Royakayaki, not to